I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier. We're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass, busted draft pick, and game-changing play. Or play call. Intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Sorry, Marshawn, still too soon. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow and listen to Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. I mean, the possibilities are limitless, Kevin. What if Portland drafted Michael Jordan? What if the NBA never vetoed the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers? That's a butterfly effect for real. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Rodgers in trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in him? In the end zone, it is caught for the win. Pressure, pass is picked off, and who is it? Big B.J. Raji for the touchdown. Welcome back to another episode of Pax What She Said. I am one of your co-hosts, Perry Goldstein, and I'm joined, as always, by Maggie Loney. And we are here today to talk about the whirlwind weekend that was the NFL draft and all of the Packers picks and some of our thoughts on what it means for the team this upcoming season. So, Maggie... <laughs> big, big things happened in round one. We picked a quarterback, Jordan Love, Utah State. A lot of controversial opinions out there about it, but how do you feel? I think this one's hard, and it was especially memorable for us, I think, because we were on the Cheesehead TV draft party. Like, I think my reactions might have been different if I knew I wasn't being watched by lots of people and had to, like, formulate an opinion on the spot. But I think that the film on Jordan Love, like the the overall consensus is a lot of what we've talked about or seen pundits talk about the entire draft season where he had a noticeable regression from his junior to senior seasons, which, you know, there's some concern there. I liked him as a prospect, but I do understand the frustration of trading up for him if the Packers thought, you know, that he could maybe be there at 30. I think that's something we'll probably get into a little bit later, kind of what it meant to trade up. Um, there was still, you know, some talent in the fourth round that I would have liked to see the Packers get in on. So I think that kind of made the draft harder, just Mm -hmm. not having those picks, uh, to start day three. Um, but I guess my overall takeaway on all of this was just that we can't really know what this means moving forward with the quarterback position in green Bay. Like, I think that everybody of course will make a comparison because it's the first time the Packers have taken a quarterback round one, even though they have drafted quarterbacks in Rogers time in green Bay. But all this means at this point in time, I think is that the Packers valued him highly enough that there could be a potential contingency plan in place in the future, or he's a better insurance policy than maybe they felt they had on the roster. If something were to happen, to Rodgers before he can finish his contract. I mean, you look at what happened with the Steelers and Big Ben when he got hurt and they had Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph come <laughs> in. Um, yeah, versus the Saints who had an actual, you know, proven backup and they won games. Right. And I think like, you know, if you look at the 2017 season with Brett Hundley, some of that wasn't his fault. It was also the talent that surrounded him that year. But, you know, I think that the comparison, of course, at this point maybe could be made that Love has higher upside than a guy like Brett Hundley, and that's not a knock against Brett Hundley. It's just this, we don't know if Love will ever play a meaningful snap in Green Bay. You know, this could propel the the Packers into like 15 more years of Hall of Fame play, Um, but it's a cop-out to me to say that no one knows, but but no one knows. You know, he either, it's too early to like call him the heir apparent, but it's also definitely something that we need to consider because Mm -hmm. this was a heavy, heavy investment for a team that hasn't made that kind of investment in a significant amount of time. 
Yeah, I think Andy Herman kind of hit the nail on the head when he he wrote a piece about kind of six different scenarios that could con- come out of uh, this pick of Jordan Love. And there are literally so many pathways that it could go down. It could blow up in flames or it could be, like you said, another decade plus of us having, you know, Hall of Fame quarterback play. And I think obviously the Packers felt like the way their board fell, the players that were available to them he was the option that they wanted there and they loved him enough to jump up. Um, I think I was in the minority group. I was actually kind of pumped about it. Um, I see a lot, a lot of really awesome potential. Um, and I think that he just got drafted into the best case scenario for the player that he is. He needs a lot of development. He's going to get to sit behind one of the best to ever do it and learn from Aaron Rodgers for a couple of seasons. Like you said, he may never play a snap for us, or he could end up being that heir apparent that, you know, when you take, when you take someone in the first round, I think you kind of hope that he does play for you one day. (laughs) Um, Like that would be the goal. Um, But at the same time, like, I just think there's so much upside there. And he really excites me. Um, After we picked, I watched a ton of film on him and there are so many similarities with Aaron, like the arm strength, the movement around the pocket, being able to create plays, you know, after things break down, like there's a lot of times where he rolls to his left and throws on the run and it's just beautiful. And I know that there's a lot of things about him that are worrisome with his um, 2019 season. He threw a lot of picks. I think there's a lot of factors that go into that. And we, like you said, just don't know what's going to happen, but I'd rather be excited and welcome him in. And if at the end of the day, he's just the best backup we've ever had. And if Aaron goes down with another season ending injury and we can actually, you know, win some games with Jordan love, that's a pretty good scenario to me too. Um, and I'm, I don't know, I'm really excited about him. I think like if you listen to the pressers too, I really liked this from Brian Gutekunst and from Packers.com. They said Rogers got the reins in 2018 because he had proven that he was ready to succeed in the NFL. It wasn't due to some artificial clock. And I think that's what Packers fans need to focus on here. The quote yep. from Brian Gutekunst is that's got to happen with Jordan. You've got to work. You've got to earn it. You've got to become a good enough player. We've had one of the best to ever lace them up and we're shooting for championships for as long as he's here. And we expect him to be here for quite a while. Jordan's got to learn. He's got a lot to go. So anybody, I know that people will think that that's like a company line and, you know, they have to say that to keep Aaron Rodgers happy, but there's no way unless you are like the Bengals or the Dolphins and you don't currently have a quarterback on your roster that you want to be your starter most of the time when you draft a player, even when Josh Rosen was with the Cardinals, like you let these guys sit or you hope they have time to sit and they aren't forced into action, even if they're mm-hmm. taken in the first round. Like, mm-hmm. And I think I agree with you that this was the best case for him. Yeah. And like we've seen time and time again when a player like him with so much raw potential gets drafted and gets thrust into a starting position that he's not ready for. And it ruins his chance to succeed in the NFL. Like, and that we saw that with Deshaun Kaiser, we kind of saw that with Josh Rosen too. Like we don't know what development could have done for those kinds of players. And if they could have been better now, if they hadn't needed to start right away. So, um, I think it's a good situation for Jordan love and potentially a great situation for the Packers. If they, do the right thing and (laughs) develop him well. Yeah. So let's talk about AJ Dillon, the running back out of Boston college, the Packers second round pick at pick 62, very controversial to take a bruiser running back uh, with some of the talent that was still on the board. So what are your thoughts on Dillon? You know, after watching that run on wide receivers get taken right before us and knowing that we didn't have the capital to move up for one of them, I had a feeling we weren't going to take a reach run a wide receiver. I was definitely surprised that it was a running back. I think my initial shock reaction was a little bit negative, but since I've taken the time to actually think about where Dylan would fit into our scheme and where he fits on our team. I'm actually really excited about it. Um, he's a power back that I think can make our run game really strong. He's a completely different skill set than Aaron Jones. So anyone thinking that this means the end for Aaron Jones, I completely disagree with you. Um, I mean, his comp, which is a lot. I hate when people comp players to, you know, some of the best in the game, but his comp right now that we're seeing is Derrick Henry, which fits a lot with what Matt LaFleur likes to do. Um, and I just think at the end of the day, there's people are angry that 
they feel like we're not supporting Aaron Rodgers with a wide receiver, but I think a strong run game is the best way to support an older quarterback. Aaron Rodgers doesn't have to be Superman and he can, we can open up the run and let, you know, let him go play action pass. And I think Dylan's really strong. He's exciting. Um, he didn't get to do a lot of pass catching in college, but it's something that he spoke about in his press conference that he wants to have the opportunity to do. Um, and I think he just opens up a lot of opportunities for us. Yeah, I really liked his interview. I mean, I feel like it sounds cliche when you say that there's a guy that sounds like a Packer, but just his mannerisms and the way that he addressed the media in the very first time we got to see him, he very much felt like a Packer pick. Um, I liked that in his immediate interview, he said that he calls himself an all-purpose back, and he said this, not the media. He said, I have the size and strength to protect the quarterback, you know? So it's, it's nice to see a player that kind of takes ownership and understands like if I'm on the field, that's priority one, especially in a place like green Bay. Um, I do like that. You said he's a compliment to Aaron Jones, because I agree. I think a lot of people, you know, they see a quarterback running back and they think, okay, well, goodbye, Aaron Rodgers, goodbye, Aaron Jones. And I definitely don't think that's the case with either of these picks. Um, and we have to remember that he's 50 pounds heavier than Jamal Williams, who is currently the team's bruiser back. And that's not to say there isn't a place for Jamal Williams, but he's unlike anything that exists on this roster. So he's not coming to, you know, fill in for anybody else. He's going to create his own role on this offense. He exceeded a thousand yards rushing in each of his three seasons at Boston College. He had 10 or more touchdowns every season, averaged 5.2 yards a carry during his career. Um, Like you said, he only had a couple receiving touchdowns because he wasn't asked to do that in the Boston College offense. Um, but I, I just really like the promise that he brings to this offense. You know, Derek Henry kind of exploded onto the scene under Matt Lafleur. So thinking about the potential there to have a big-bodied running back, and I talked about this a little bit on Twitter. Um, that'll kind of segue into the next pick. But I think when you look at the guys that were drafted in this draft, it says less about you know needing weapons in the passing game and more about sustaining the offense that currently exists that Matt LaFleur is trying to operate out of. And mm-hmm. one of the, one of the biggest knocks against the Packers in 2019 was that they could never sustain drives and they could never convert third downs. So if you get yourself a fullback H back tight end and a big bruiser running back that immediately will go a long way in some of those conversions. And it takes a lot of the pressure off Aaron Rodgers and the wide receivers yeah. because the expectation is lessened. I completely agree. And I think that, I think this draft really showed us kind of the direction that the Matt LaFleur coaching regime is going into. And like last season was a transition year where we still was using a little bit of Mike McCarthy's scheme. And now like we brought in Matt LaFleur for a reason, like let's see what he can bring to the table for us. And like, this is a little bit, I think of a glimpse of where that's going where as I think we're used to like we're used to the Packers being like this high flying passing offense because of what we were when we won the Super Bowl in 2010 with you know a ton of wide receivers but we're not that team anymore and Rodgers isn't that quarterback anymore so why not try something new that might actually work for us where we are right now yeah and I think like it again is a cliche to say that you have to play with the talent that you have but if you look at kind of where this roster or what the perceived holes were, a lot of it, sure, we could say was in the receiving game and maybe a, a different wide receiver would have done the trick there. But I think a lot of it was also the issues that the Packers had sustaining drives on the ground because when you're not able to move the ball, and that's not to say that Aaron Jones didn't effectively move the ball because we know that's not true. He was phenomenal in the 2019 season, but it became very one trick, one yeah. note. And getting guys back like EQ that can be a big slot, putting Alan Lazard in the slot. I know you're so excited about EQ. Um, And I think that that kind of segues then into the third round pick um, at 94, Josiah DeGuara, tight end out of Cincinnati. Did you, it blew my mind when he came out, but the more that I hear about him, I really like the direction I think he can help take this offense. What a wild card pick. I mean, <laughs> truly wow. I mean, I think, okay, so I definitely have a few thoughts here. I think that my issue with that pick is not so much him because I've now watched a ton of videos on this guy and Matt LaFleur seems amped about him and I totally agree and see why. It just felt early. 
That's the only thing about him that I, that I, the knock that I have against the pick is just where he was taken. It's not him. I'm super pumped about him. I think his pairing with Jay Sternberger is going to be super interesting because we saw Sternberger take some snaps in the H back position too. So it's just going to be wildly confusing for defenses if we have both of them on the field. Um, I'm excited about his versatility. Um, I think the comp to Kyle Juszczyk is a really interesting and probably pretty accurate one. Um, I just feel like we probably could have taken him a little later. That's all. Yeah. And I think that's hard too, because, you know, just because Jordan Love, AJ Dillon and Josiah DeGuara were high on LaFleur's board doesn't necessarily mean that they were the true targets at those picks. Mm -hmm. You know, for all we know, LaFleur traded up for a wide receiver in the first round. One wasn't there, and Jordan Love was the only guy that had a first-round grade left, so he took him. Denzel Mims won a couple picks ahead of the A.J. Dillon pick, so maybe at that value, Mm -hmm. that's what happened. And I think that Brian Gutekunst kind of alluded to that in his pressers. He basically said it wasn't for a lack of trying. Like, we eat in on a couple guys. They weren't there where we were picking, and then we just felt like we could get more of a return on investment from our current in-house guys than a developmental receiver in the late rounds. And I get that logic. Mm -hmm. Um, The thing I like about Josiah DeGuara is that he played everywhere in college. He played slot receiver, inline tight end. Um, He said himself that his versatility is what makes him a good pick. Uh, Brian Gutekunst said that he expects him to be a weapon, quote, uh, right away for the offense. And then when they asked him, where do you think he'll line up? He literally said everywhere, quite frankly, Um, which is (laughs) fun. Uh, You look at where he played snaps in college. This was uh, from Pro Football Focus. 468 snaps at inline tight end, which is where I think he makes the most sense for Green Bay. Slot receiver, almost 300 snaps. So again, um, and then he only uh, played 10 snaps in the backfield. So I do think that kind of hybrid fullback, H-back, tight end, he's very much a Swiss Army knife that, again, gives another addition to LaFleur's offense, especially with Jay Sternberg taking on a more prominent role as TE1. Now you have Mm -hmm. H-back tight end. Yeah. I think like not taking a wide receiver says sort of two things to me. One, like you said, there just wasn't anyone that they thought was going to bring more value in. And I'd rather them not waste a pick on a wide receiver that they know isn't going to do anything for us. And also the expectation, which was very clear to me in Goot's press conference, that they expect all of the guys in the locker room now to make leaps. And if that happens, then we do have a great wide receiver core and we didn't need to draft a rookie wide receiver. We'll see if that actually happens, but I just think that it's rare and tough for a rookie, a rookie wide receiver to come in and make like a serious impact day one game one. And if you look at Goot's first draft, you know, he swung for the fences and took three receivers and we know that Jamon Moore hasn't worked out, but uh, with Marquez Valdez-Scantling, they said, um, LaFleur and his presser basically said, you know, we know what he can do and we're going to be on him to make sure that he meets that potential. Like there are yeah. really high expectations for this current group. EQ was injured all of last season. Um, he's got a lot of opportunity in front of him to be that kind of slot role on this offense. And these are guys that had already started to develop a relationship with Rodgers. Um, I had talked to Peter Bukowski about this on Twitter a little bit and just said that there got to be a point later on in the draft, uh, even towards the end of day two, where the Packers brought in Devin Funches, who was a second round pick 41st overall. And once they got even to pick 62 and they realized that Mims and some of those other top tier guys were gone at that point, I think it became obvious to them we have to make an investment in the guys that we have because nobody would have been drafted higher. Even Devontae as a second round pick wasn't taken as high as 41. Devin Funches will have been the highest drafted talent or, you know, taken talent for this offense. And it just, they ha- they have to have expectations there, you know, yeah. and losing the capital night one, I think kind of helped the board to fall the way it did because like you said, they couldn't trade up to get those guys. But I think the expectations are abundantly clear that, we didn't get guys because, and Brian Gutekunst even said for the Packers, there's typically about a three-year investment made into wide receivers. So here's the guys going into year three, and the expectation is significant that MVS and EQ will make those leaps. And if that happens, they likely, you know, it's a wash on this draft being a deep wide receiver class. Yep. And we all know, actually, I don't know if anybody knows, but <laughs> all you listening, I'm 
I love Equinemia St. Brown. I think he's super exciting. I think line him up in the slot. That's your slot guy. He's just a really tall Randall Cobb. Like he's got great yards after the catch. He made great sign led grabs his rookie season. He, I think if he hadn't gone down this season and we had another year watching what he could do, people, he potentially could have been that difference maker. Although one player isn't usually the difference between a championship and not, but I think he brings a lot of potential. It's just the unknown that makes people uncertain. So I want to move to our first defensive pick round five. We took a linebacker, finally a position of quote need perceived need. Um, We took Kamal Martin out of Minnesota How do you feel about him? I like him. Admittedly, he wasn't somebody that was on my radar as much as some of the other inside linebackers that were on the board. But Mm -hmm. again, because we had this perceived need that the Packers need a wide receiver, inside linebacker, interior defensive line, offensive tackle, I kind of was looking for the linebackers that I thought would fall into the range that they would be drafted. I didn't think they'd wait until midday three to take a guy like that. Um, but Brandon Ross, who was the area scout, said that Martin knows that special teams would likely be kind of the biggest part of his game initially that'll give him a chance to latch onto the 53. Um, he's got a really fun background. He was actually set to play quarterback at Eastern Michigan. And I personally love when inside linebackers played quarterback because they're, to me, the inside linebackers are the quarterbacks of the defense. So they have that really high football IQ and they know how to read an offense from a defensive uh aspect, which I think is really interesting. Um, one of my favorite quotes from him was, there's nothing like the physical side where you truly get to punish opponents, especially in the cold. We love that up at Minnesota. We love playing in the cold. So again, he very much like from his mannerisms just felt like a pick that made sense for the Packers. Um, I think if you look at his physicality and how he can match up against opposing offenses, he really matches up nicely against tight ends, which was kind of the Achilles heel of this Packers defense in 2019. Um, so I think he offers a lot of versatility there. Um, he's a heavy hitter. He likes to, you know, bring this, the attitude he can drop into coverage. He can blitz up the middle, rush off the edge. I noticed that when I kind of went back and watched his film, Mm -hmm. I don't think he's necessarily a coverage linebacker. Um, like somebody like a Patrick queen might've been, I don't know if he has that kind of sideline speed, but I do think he brings some versatility and I like kind of the difference that he has as opposed to a guy like, you know, Oren Burks or Ty Summers. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's definitely intriguing to me. I, he's another name. I, I, like you said, I didn't really know him. I didn't watch him. Um, but that's not to say that he's not going to be a great player. Um, I think, yeah, I like his aggression. Like I like how he attacks every, every time he's on the field. Um, I think he's nice complimentary piece to Christian Kirksey. And I think, um, Kirksey brings like a level of experience and that, that presence for a guy like him that he can really like develop underneath him. Um, I also listened to his press conference and just like the way you felt like AJ Dillon, I feel like he's just such a packer, you know, like he's, he's got, he's really well-spoken and, um, just kind of has that swag that's going to be really complimentary to the Smiths and the rest of the team that, um, you know, he can come in and kind of dominate. Um, I don't think he's going to be a starter. Um, I'm curious to see who's going to be on the field with Kirksey, you know, game one first snap, um, whether it's him or if it's Oren Burks or some of the other linebackers we have, but, um, I like what he brings to the table and I'm excited about him. Um, his injury history doesn't really concern me all that much. Uh, obviously if the Packers trust that he's healthy, I trust that he's healthy. And he said, I'm a hundred percent. So, um, not really any negative thoughts there. Um, it definitely was a little late. I thought for finally them to take a position <laughs> of need, uh, but he did, we did, and he's there. Um, and I'm excited about him. Yeah. Um, then we kind of went on a run here. The Packers went on mm-hmm. a run and took three offensive linemen in a row, um, which I know made Larry McCarron very happy when I watched all his draft day analysis. So, John Runyon Jr. out of Michigan, Jake Hansen out of Oregon, and then Simon Stepaniak out of Indiana were the three sixth-round picks for the Packers. Any thoughts on there? I mean, I know that John Runyon Jr. is probably the most notable name for everybody, um, but outside of that, quick thoughts Um, on those guys? Yeah, I mean, I kind of expected us to take multiple offensive linemen. Did I think that we'd spend our entire sixth round <laughs> on three? No, but, um, you know, I'm not mad about it. I think protecting Rodgers and any quarterback, honestly, in the future is just so important. Like, 
it's honestly the most important thing. If we don't have a clean pocket, we don't have an offense. So um, it's a position that you can never, never have enough depth there. Um, And we also have a few, unfortunately, of our guys who are coming up on contract years. Um, We always knew that Rick Wagner was going to be a stopgap. So it made sense to me, honestly, to take three guys. Um, I don't know much about them except for John Runyon, of course, but um, I think they made total sense as sixth round picks. I think what was so interesting to me about all three of the picks was that they all project as interior guys at the next level. So I thought maybe with Rick Wagner being that perceived stopgap, they would have gambled on a tackle a lot earlier in the draft. So with John Runyon Jr., um, the thing that I like about him is that he played left tackle at Michigan, which is very common for Green Bay's interior offensive linemen. You look at TJ Lang, Josh Sitton. These are all guys that played left tackle in college and then moved inside in the pros. Um, Jake Hansen out of Oregon, he didn't allow a sack until his senior season per pro football focus, played over 3,500 snaps at center in Oregon. Um, so to me, that pick as a sixth round guy, he's kind of just insurance for next yeah. season. When Elton Jenkins got drafted, I thought, you know, that he was going to be the backup center. And then of course he became the team starting left guard. Um, so there wasn't really a true backup center on the roster then. I know Lucas Patrick can play the position, but regardless of what happens with Corey Lindsley in 2021, it helps that there's now somebody that has all of those snaps at center yeah. on the roster. Yeah. And I think the Packers do a really good job of training their offensive linemen to kind of play in a lot of different positions. Like it's, it's not that uncommon to see them move around the line. So I think getting three guys who they think can be versatile in that way, like they can bring them in, see where they think, you know, they're developing into the best and set them there. Um, And I think, I see John Runyon being kind of our Jared Valdir where he can be our swing tackle and move around in different places. Cause he's played so many different positions. He even said he's comfortable anywhere. Um, so instead of bringing back the vet, we, we draft someone who can fill that need instead. Yeah. And I like, uh, I have to say I was the least familiar with Simon Stepanek out of Indiana. Like when he was drafted, um, they listed him as a tackle on NFL network. He clarified in his press conference that he was going to be playing interior at the next level for the Packers. Um, he played primarily right guard at Indiana. I don't know if that would mean anything moving forward. I know Billy Turner's got a rich contract and I don't see the Packers doing anything there yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, plus I thought Billy Turner played pretty well at the position in 2019. The thing that impressed me the most about him was his 37 bench press reps at the combine. And I loved Monster. it. I loved in his presser, one of the, uh, journalists was like, Hey man, that's all you got 37. And he did not know what to say. Like, I don't think he knew it was a joke at first. And he was like, yeah, if I wasn't injured, I would have done more. And it's like, no man, we're very, we're all very impressed. (laughs) Um, but my favorite quote from him was, I was getting after the guy across from me as much as I can and trying to make his day, not a good day. You know what I'm saying? And I just, that's such an offensive lineman attitude. That seems like a David Bakhtiari kind of attitude where it's just, I I want him to not have a good day when I have to line up against from him. So those three to me bring a lot of depth and versatility because I think maybe outside of Jake Hansen, who's really kind of a plug and play center Runyon and uh, Stepaniak kind of do, they can play anywhere, even though they both kind of project it interior at this, the NFL level. And Runyon uh, was training with, a one Rashawn Gary this summer. So, uh, or this off season rather. So, and we saw that a lot, actually, a lot of our picks have, have trained together. And I think that's, I don't know. I, I think that's exciting given that we don't have, we might not have as long as, as long of an off season as normal. Um, training camp might be cut short. We don't know what the season is going to look like. So like the more time they've spent together, the better in the long run for us. Yeah. And I mean, the Packers talk all the time about bringing in guys that are culture fits, locker room fits. You look at the way that, I mean, Christian Kirksey hasn't played a down yet in Green Bay, and he already, to me, feels like a team leader in the way that he welcomes new players to the teams, Darius Smith doing the same thing. So to have guys like Jordan Love, A.J. Dillon, Kamal Martin that all have trained together in the past, it does bode well for the offense and kind of the dynamic in the locker room, especially like you said, if some, if Jordan love and AJ Dillon can get together and study the offense, the playbook, like what more could you ask for out of (laughs) rookie players, you know, except to light it up and have like 2000 yard seasons, but that might be putting the cart before the horse. (laughs) Um, So then now that we got the lineman out of the way, 
Packers ended the seventh round with two defensive players, uh, starting with Vernon Scott safety out of TCU. Any immediate thoughts on Vernon Scott? No, um, <laughs> I don't really know much about him. I know that he was hurt, which is slightly concerning, but I mean, look, anyone you take in the seventh round, 90% of the time, because I know I was screaming about Donald Driver being taken in the seventh round, but <laughs> 90% of the time, it, he's going to be a depth guy. Um, I didn't really perceive safety as a position of need for us, but I think depending on what we do in the backfield, maybe we move Savage into more of a hybrid kind of guy, then maybe we do need another safety. Um, I just think you can never have enough DBs. And if they really like Scott, then great. Let's bring him in. Let's add some competition and see what he could do for us. So I think it's really funny that you said that you didn't necessarily think that safety was a perceived need because I thought it was a very sneaky need. If you look at the Packers roster, there's four safeties on the roster and that's it. So, you know, there's Amos, Savage, and then Will Redmond and Raven Green. And at least for camp, I would have thought that they would have like six or seven. And I know a lot of the guys that they have kind of play that hybrid ups. They can either line them in the slot, nickel dime. Um, But Vernon Scott, to me, from what I've seen and from what I've read, is that he's very versatile, which I think was a kind of a theme for Mm -hmm. this defense and a lot of these draft picks. Um, He's one of the players that I think his draft stock got kind of significantly uh, lessened because he didn't get invited to the combine and then TCU had to cancel their pro day because of COVID-19. So he never really got an opportunity to prove what he could do. Um, he was only a one year starter for TCU because they had such depth at the position like Jeff Gladney, who just went to the Vikings. So to him, you know, I know that he said that it was really hard to kind of sit and slide down the board when, especially when you perceive your value being so much higher than maybe mm-hmm. where it is, but He played with Ty Summers, which is nice. He's got some familiarity on the defense already. I will say that I'm sad that the Packers didn't take Ross Blacklock, but at least they got somebody else from the TCU defense that I can uh, be excited about. I have to ceremoniously remove my Ross Blacklock, no matter what, post it from my computer now. But uh, I think that he, he showed a lot of promise, and everything I've read about him just said that he's aggressive he can line up pretty much anywhere for the defense. Do I think he'll be an immediate starter? Of course not. I think the safety position, especially, you know, with Amos and Savage is pretty locked and loaded, but I do think that especially on special teams, he seems like a hard hitter that knows kind of how to make a player too, especially if you look at his highlights, I think there's the one highlight that we all have seen at this point circulating the 98, 98 yard pick six uh, against Oklahoma that kind of put him on the map. That was like his, most prominent highlight out of college. So there's a lot of upside there, but I do think that, you know, he's got a a steep hill to climb given the depth in the defensive backs unit. Yeah, I agree. Then we have Jonathan Garvin, the Packers ninth and final pick seventh rounder edge rusher out of Miami. Any thoughts? Cause I personally, the more I watch, the more I love him. I agree. I think this could be a really sneaky steal. For the Packers. Um, I definitely am wondering just why he slid so far. Um, maybe it's the injury. I have no idea, but he is awesome. Again, like Edge, don't feel like we needed it so much, but at the end of the day, like you can never have enough people rushing the quarterback. So why not take an edge down there? Um, he's aggressive, he's another versatile player. How many times have we use that word today? <laughs> um, yeah, he's exciting, he's explosive. I, I like him a lot. Yeah, I know he was expected to go in the fourth or fifth round, so to have him slide all the way to the seventh kind of felt like a steal. Uh, On a lot of big boards, too, he was kind of in the early hundreds, maybe Mm -hmm. mid-hundreds, so to get him at 242 uh, really was a sneaky steal. He's only 20 years old, had an 8.99 RAS score. Um, Per per pro football focus, he tied for the team lead in total pressures during his 2019 season at Miami with 46 pressures. Um, his pass rush grade of 88.2 is the second highest among all the ACC defenders. His nickname is the spider. Okay. Because of his, his length and agility, which I think is just fantastic. Spider Garvin is the coolest sounding <laughs> nickname. Um, but he's, he's only 20, like I said. So I tweeted this quote out too, but I really liked it. He said, as far as untapped potential, there's a mass of it. I haven't hit my prime yet. I have years to go to hit my prime. And by the time the contract is done, I still won't be in my prime and I'll still keep on growing and developing. 
So I think if you look at the way that Brian Gutekunst not only drafts, but brings in free agents, he likes to target those second year or second contract guys that are ascending players. So it's either you take them really young, like Kenny Clark, Mm -hmm. and you watch their arrow skyrocket, or you grab a guy like Zadarius Smith, who's about to skyrocket in their second contract. So with Kyler Fackrell leaving in free agency, I think that there is an immediate opportunity for him to be that fourth edge rusher. And I'm just excited to see him get to learn from two of the best in the business and the super Smith, super Smith bros. Yeah, I agree. I think his age is so exciting because there's so much time to develop him. And he already has like so much kind of like raw athleticism that you can like sculpt. I think of them like sculptures, like clay. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So we, we've gone through all the picks. I think, um, you know, it was an unexpected and intriguing draft. Um, I've never really been as confused as I was this weekend, but I always try to find kind of the upside and the excitement um, for these guys. I'm happy to welcome them, welcome them into the green and gold. Just, from a holistic perspective, you know, like how do you feel after digesting this weekend? I, so I, I said this on Twitter and it's really hard because, you know, if fans are mad, I feel like, you know, you as a fan are justified in your feelings, whatever they are. So if you're frustrated that the Packers didn't take a wide receiver, that's okay. I think that you're allowed to be frustrated, but I'm with you where, you know, nothing that we say or do is going to alter this draft. We don't have time machines. We didn't have crystal balls a week ago to see where this was going. So now that the picks are in, we have nine new Green Bay Packers and we have to try and rationalize why they made the decisions that they did. So to me, kind of what helped me to rationalize and see that our perceived needs necessarily weren't the perceived needs of the fan base or or of the GM and the head coach You know, Goody said about A.J. Dillon and Josh DeGuara, he really fits into Matt's offense and what he wants to do. So I think that's kind of, you know, the overarching theme of this whole draft is he was getting Matt his guys. So even though the argument could be made by fans that Aaron Rodgers wanted to get some guys, if Matt LaFleur gets his guys to run an effective offense, that will benefit Aaron Rodgers indefinitely. Also, who says we like who says that's what Aaron Rodgers was thinking? You know what I mean? Like, I right. don't know. He hasn't said anything like he could be sitting there, you know, with the inside knowledge of what Matt wants to do with his offense and be thinking, great. Yeah, let's do it. Let's go. And I'm sure he's going to come into camp like a pro, like the pro that he is and say, here are my guys. Let's see. what. Let's go win some football games. Um, I think the only surprise to me is like the we feel as fans watching games that we needed a defensive lineman, that we need to shore up that side of the ball because we were getting run over by the 49ers. And I think to me, not taking that in free agency and not drafting a defensive lineman says to me that either they feel like it wasn't as big of a deal as it was, which Okay. (laughs) Or they have two guys in Kingsley Kiki and Montrevious Adams that can step up and help Kenny Clark this season. And you can hem and haw all you want about that thought. But to me, I'm like, great. They drafted two guys that they think are ready (laughs) to start now and make a difference. Awesome. That's not a wasted draft pick that Goot made. So I hope that that is the case. It seems to be. And if it's not, then we're just going to have a bunch of holes again in our defense. But um, I, I think it's a good thing if those two players step up and play really well this season. Yeah. I think that's almost a better point is you can be frustrated that the Packers didn't draft a wide receiver, but they did address the way that they wanted to attack the offense. So even though we thought that the offense needed a wide receiver, they got some offensive weapons in Dylan and DeGuara. So that was kind of handled. You know, they gave Aaron Rodgers skill positions, just not maybe the one that fans thought that he would be getting. Yeah. The bigger gripe I think that fans are allowed to have with this draft is, like you said, the lack of interior defensive help. There were some really good nose tackles on the board while the Packers were picking. And again, we don't know what their big board looks like. We don't know what their perceived needs were. And I do think it's fair to expect, you know, the third year jump, like we're expecting MVS and EQ to make. 
for Montrevious Adams to make his leap, Kingsley Kiki to make his second year leap. But again, you know, like you said, if that doesn't happen and then the holes are more apparent, unless a, you know, a veteran free agent signing is in the works, that seems to me like a, a bigger issue than the mm-hmm. wide receiver issue. And yeah. I think that's long-term kind of, I think the offense can chug along and be fine. I think that the defense, unless you expect a guy like Kamal Martin to kind of play in, in the box and help immediately in that run support, mm-hmm. then that's where the this draft was lacking. Yeah. And maybe Petten sat down with LaFleur after this season ended and they said, okay, what did we do wrong? Let's fix our defensive scheme so that this doesn't happen again, because they could feel like they have the pieces there and they just didn't use them properly in that setting. So there's a lot of variables that we just won't know unless we watch them play. And I'd rather be optimistic about them making the changes that they feel like they needed to. Maybe they're different than what I thought they needed, but you know, I'm just a fan. Um, I think another thing that I was really surprised about with this draft is that we didn't take a cornerback. We always draft quarters. I mean, I can't think of a draft where we haven't taken one somewhere. Um, and that's always, I think something that you need. Um, while I think that we have a strong cornerback room right now with the people that we have, like Kevin King's on a contract year, who knows, um, I hope that this means that they're bringing Jamal back <laughs> because that would be amazing. Um, and I think you could get him back. But I think, you know, if one person goes down, it, we might be left with some players that don't see the field that often. Um, I really hope that Josh Jackson sees the field this season. Um, I think as a second round pick, two drafts ago, you would hope that he would start to see an increase in snaps. Um, otherwise that feels like a fairly wasted second round pick, which is he was drafted pretty high too. He was considered someone who might be taken in the first round. So if that's the case, you know, people are all up on this, like Rashawn Gary is a bust. Hi. I think if Josh Jackson doesn't play, that's the bust that you should be complaining about, not Rashawn Gary. Um, and so I think that there's there's still some major question marks to me with the cornerbacks. Yeah, and I think the hard part, I know how much you want Tremont Williams to come back, and I love him as a player, as a human, as a Packer, but I think signing Tremont Williams, unless he can play the Donner, Donald Driver role and just be the vet in the room, um, he's taking snaps away from guys like Josh Jackson that you want to see a development from. So that would be my only concern as you bring him back. If you bring him back as the expectation that he's your insurance policy on a vet minimum kind of contract where he can just help these young guys grow. He, I, I think has alluded to the fact that he would like to be a coach someday. So if he can kind of play that mentorship role, which I know a lot of guys aren't super keen on when they know that they can still play, they don't want to come be the, the coach on the sideline, they want to get their snaps in and actually play. So I wouldn't blame him for that. But mm-hmm. if you want to develop guys like Shannon Sullivan and Josh Jackson, Kadar Holman, they all need to take some pretty significant leaps in Tremont Williams' absence. So I would just worry that he would come back and kind of take away some of that development. Just, I do think that they need help along the defensive line. You know, we talked about that already. A guy like Snacks. I know I saw all over Twitter this weekend, Packer fans wanting to bring back Mike Daniels. But then I worry it's the same thing where you're bringing in a vet and then guys like Kingsley Kiki, Kiki don't see their snaps. Yeah. So it's fair. It's yeah. hard. It's hard. It's, <laughs> it's hard. It's a ba- I think it's a balancing act of like, how much do you trust these guys to make those leaps without having that backup, like you said, insurance policy kind of. So, but you know, as much as we love players and we hate to see them like move on, like that's just the nature of the game. And so I know I understand that if Tremont doesn't come back, there's a reason he's 37. It's okay. Um, but I also am hopeful, like you said, for Chandon Sullivan to come in for Josh Jackson to finally, you know, do something. Um, and Goot also seemed really excited about those guys. I mean, he, he named pretty much all of them, um, when he was talking about them. So I think he feels very similarly. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of potential there. And I think that's the hard part with especially this draft class is there's a lot of potential and it's a lot of wait and see. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Rashawn Gary didn't start his rookie season and he was taken 12th overall. I personally don't think that makes him a bust, but 
I can see why fans, you know, after taking Rashawn Gary and then taking Jordan Love, these are future investments at two positions rather than being immediate starters. So as much as this draft, you know, the Packers walked away with nine players, but they only had three night two kind of guys. So we look at some of the immediate impacts that some of the other players have made. Jair Alexander is a night one guy. Darnell Savage, when he wasn't injured, you know, played almost every snap for Green Bay, his rookie season, Elton Jenkins. But some of these players, especially Jordan Love, a first round pick, you would hope at least while Aaron Rodgers is healthy that Jordan Love isn't taking snaps. You don't want him to take meaningful snaps. (laughs) A.J. Dillon taking meaningful snaps takes something away from Aaron Jones. So it's really hard to look at a draft that's about depth and value and long-term thought and rationalize why it makes sense in the here and now. Yeah. So so I get fan frustration, but I think that they need to, you know, we need to, this is a roadmap. It's not the destination. Exactly. Oh, that's couldn't have said it better. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, I think it's hard like Goot said, night one, you know, as a GM, you're thinking about the short term and you're also thinking about the long term. And well, yes, we got blown out of the water in the NFC championship game. We're still a 13 and three team who made it to the NFC championship game. Like we are not a team like the Dolphins or the Bengals who have tons of holes. And these rookies are going to have to start because they don't have any other options. Like we are in a fortunate position that we actually can think about the long term and depth because Let's face it, we have a very good team. And like we like to point out all the flaws, but remember that we won 13 games with the players. We went 4-0 without Devontae Adams this past season in arguably some of our best offensive games. Um, Aaron Rodgers had his perfect passer rating without Devontae Adams on the field. So like, let's just not forget those things when we get so kind of up in arms about the draft because the draft is for development. Yeah. And I joked with my husband a lot. I think everyone at this point knows my husband is a Browns fan, but (laughs) I joked with him because the Browns ended up taking a lot of players that I really wanted to see in Green Bay, like Jacob Phillips inside linebacker at LSU, Harrison Bryant, the tight end. And he said, I would rather win division titles and playoff games than the offseason. The Browns notoriously win the offseason. You know, they bring in guys like OBJ, they kill their drafts, and then they go eight and eight. And You know, he's like, at least if you look at this Packers draft class and you're disappointed, you made it to the NFC championship game. You know, he's like, I don't have a Browns playoff t-shirt that I can wear because it just isn't happening. So, you know, the Browns had to draft a bunch of guys that they were hoping are going to come in and start right away and make a difference and get them over the hump. The Packers are already over the hump. Mm -hmm. Now you just have to, you know, put everything together. Yep. Yeah. I think it's more of how are we going to use these players versus the players themselves. Right. Exactly. Yep. Okay. So we're kind of at the end here. Any final thoughts on the draft? I don't like, I'm an optimist by nature in everything that I do in my life. I think that's just how I live. And to me, football is what makes me happier than anything else. So if the Packers ended up drafting nine kickers, I would have found a way to rationalize it and like made myself happy about it. But, and I don't think that I needed to convince myself to like these picks. AJ Dillon was a player that I coveted for green Bay. And this was the first time I've ever said like, yeah, I want that guy in green Bay. And he's actually come to green Bay. So to me, that was exciting. Even if 62 maybe was a little rich for some people, but I, think that this signifies the relationship that Goot and Malifleur have. You know, there were always rumors at the end of Mike McCarthy's tenure in Green Bay that he never got the help that he needed from Ted Thompson. It was always draft and develop. You know, they never got free agents to make a difference. Brian Gutekunst has proven that he'll get you free agents and he'll also draft you players that you want for your team. So I think that that's kind of the takeaway here is when you're looking at the here and now and the long term, the Packers are trying to set themselves up for a sustained success. You know, everybody's saying the Packers maybe aren't going to win a Super Bowl right now in 2020 with these draft picks. And who can say that? But the Packers have put themselves in contention to win in 2020, 2021, 2022. You know, they're not mortgaging the future by making, or they're not mortgaging the now by these picks that 
maybe won't play in the future. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I'm really tired. (laughs) It's it's been a weekend. (laughs) It has been a weekend. Well, honestly, I couldn't have said it any better. I agree. I think they they're doing now they're drafting for now and they're thinking about the future and that's a successful organization. And that's why the Packers have been a successful organization is because they're able to balance both. Um, I don't think we're very far from a Super Bowl. I'm fully confident that Aaron will can win another ring. <laughs> I, <don't laughs> wanna, I sent, I went from will to can because I don't want that to come back and bite me, but I really believe it. I really do. Um, and yeah, I think just as a whole, it was so nice to have football. It was so nice to have like new, exciting things to watch and talk about. I think the NFL did a fantastic job with the virtual draft. I mean, it didn't, besides the stage missing and the in-person handshaking, it didn't even really feel any different. I loved watching the coaches and the GMs with their families. I thought it was so heartwarming. Um, they raised over a hundred million dollars for COVID relief. Like it was just a really, really well done weekend. Um, and we had a ton of fun Thursday night with our draft party. If you didn't tune in, we had some really awesome guests. We had Corey Lindsley, we had TJ Lang, we had Will Blackman, and then we rounded out the night with David Bakhtiari, who knows my name, which is wild. <laughs> um, and it was just a really fun night and it was really nice to just as angry as some people were on the internet, I felt like our community came together to watch the Packers make these picks. And that was really nice. Yeah. I think, and I'm hopeful that the takeaway from 2020 is not the players or the draft that the Packers had. It was just the way that the NFL kind of rallied around something that has never happened before. And we're hoping never has to happen again. And just kind of what it meant for the league and for the fan bases and for the teams and for the players to all come together for something that is bigger than any one of us or any one thing. So Perry, before we make this show even longer than we already have, where can the people find you on social media? You can follow me at Goldstein Perry on Twitter. Please also follow the podcast at Packs with PWSS podcast on Twitter. Um, we always post some really fun things besides our episodes. So follow the Twitter for that. And Maggie, where can everyone find you? You can find me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney, L-O-N-E-Y. I also write two articles a week for Cheesehead TV and I podcast with the Pack-A-Day podcast crew. Follow Perry to watch her chug a beer. Follow the Pack's what she said Twitter to uh, not see any more mock drafts because y'all hated that and we're done with that (laughs) for at least another year. Um, Thank you, as always, for listening to our show. We hope that we made you feel a little little better about these picks. I felt like this episode was very cathartic. I hope it did the same for you. As always, thank you for listening and go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. Is back in town.